On today's show, free agency is underway and one of the big names has committed to stay in Milwaukee. That's Chris Middleton. We'll break down that three-year deal with the Bucks, and we'll also say goodbye to a couple of key role players from last year. Javon Carter and Joe Ingles are moving on. And uh, yes, unfortunately, we thought at this point we might have some Brook Lopez news. That's not the case. Uh, we'll see if it happens in the next half an hour during this show. Let's get into it. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. find my work over at ESPN alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's show that is brought to you by the Game Time app. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. As always, we thank you for making Locked On Bucks your first watch or first listen of every weekday, particularly on a big day like this. We are... A couple of hours into free agency, there's been a heap of deals that have gone down. We'll talk about the Bucks. We'll also talk about everything else across the NBA, but we appreciate your support. If you haven't done so yet, follow, subscribe, drop a like, a comment, all those types of things, and let us know how you're feeling a few hours into free agency. And as I said, uh, this might continue to evolve as this show rolls on. But uh, Frank, I think the one place to start was Chris Milton, and I don't think there was a a high level of stress about what was going to happen with Chris, but there was certainly curiosity with the number. In three years, 102 is the figure that's been reported, a player option obviously at the back end of that in the third year. But uh, where do you sit on the 102? Because maybe the per year is a little bit higher than we had uh, discussed over the last few days, but three years as opposed to four. Yeah, and Kane, remarkable restraint here, starting with Chris Middleton and, and not Joe Ingles getting uh, $22 million from uh, John Hammond and company in Orlando. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think if you had told me, you know, a month ago as we were kind of gearing up for free agency that, that Chris would ultimately get three years, 102, I would have, you know, breathed a huge sigh of relief. Right. You know, I think when we looked at kind of the range of, of outcomes, I, when, when free agency was starting, I was thinking, you know, you know, Bobby Marks and some others had thrown out sort of this idea of like three for 90. Maybe that's like a range of what he could get on the market. Um, you know, I, I thought the absolute uppermost was probably like four years, 160. Like it could get, you know, depending on what teams like Houston, Sacramento, some of these other teams, if they had interest in Chris, you know, could they push the envelope and, and really force the Bucks to, to go for a really big number? Um, you know, as we saw those other teams kind of fell off, I think, you know, that was also the, those discussions we were having initially were also before the news came that Chris had the right knee cleanup, which, again, we don't anticipate being a big deal. It sounds like he's likely to be back, um, you know, working out here shortly, uh, early July. Um, and again, had been planned sort of all season, given some of the discomfort he'd been feeling. But, you know, again, that, that doesn't help. Right. When you're a 32 year old, almost 32 year old, um, you know, free agent looking for a hundred million dollar plus contract, you know, any anything around a knee surgery, especially coming off the injury last year is, is not, is going to give it's going to give teams some pause. Right. Um, so, so yeah, it seemed like for the last few weeks though, that, you know, there had been 
not a lot of indication that, you know, Chris was going to do anything but resign. Uh, I think the three years versus four was obviously a question, as you pointed out. Um, I think three years, again, you know, just when you want to think about this, now that he's back in the fold, um, you can start to think about like, okay, what are the kind of option points from a transaction perspective, right? Um, if things don't go the way we want them to, um, you know, revisiting him as a trade asset, I think he's easier to move at, at three years rather than four years, just given the age and some of the durability stuff from the past couple of years. So, you know, if you, if you ask me, like, would you rather have Chris Milton on a three-year, you know, $100 million contract or a four-year, you know, $130, $140 million contract, I'd, I would say let's do the three-year option. I think that, again, just gives you a little more flexibility. And, of course, John Horst special, third-year player option, Kane. Um, hey, yo, brother. Had to, had to do it. Um, you know, again, at that point where Chris would be, I mean, you would probably assume we'll see what the structure of the contract comes out at. I would buy, I mean, it would be very, very surprising to me if this was not a deal that starts at the lowest point and, and escalates to get to that 102 million. If it's 102 million without incentives, which I think that's the big question now is, are there incentives in there? Potentially, you know, I think we've been hearing some indications that maybe it was like 95 million and then it inches over a hundred million. You know, is that last bit there? Is that some incentives that were thrown in there, potentially some unlikely incentives meant to create some optics so that, you know, uh, they could claim a $100 million contract, which, of course, every agent would prefer to a $95 million contract. We'll see. We haven't heard that yet. Hopefully by tomorrow, maybe we'll have a better indication. Um, so that really matters because, again, like we're very, you know, we're kind of very interesting gradations here where the Bucks land for Chris and Brooke. And what that means for bringing back Jay Crowder, potentially. Uh, I mean, he's really the only guy left that that you might spend more than the minimum on of your returning for agents. Um, and then potentially using the taxpayer mid-level of $5 million. Um, so if it was $31.5 million, <sighs> there's some things they can do. Obviously, they can make a trade to reduce salary or something like that. But at $31.5, you know, the, the magic number for Chris plus Brook, Chris plus Brooke that we've been talking about has been about 49 million at 49 million. You can basically get to 15 roster spots, pay Jay Crowder, potentially like a $4 million make good sort of <laughs> come back one plus one type contract and also use the full taxpayer mid-level of 5 million and be a little bit under that second apron of 182.5 million. Again, that was presumed on a $49 million combined number for Chris and Brooke. Um, I had been assuming that was some maybe something like 29 for Chris, 20 for Brooke, given some of the pressure we've been hearing. It seemed like Brooke's potential number was inching up. 20 might be the magic number to get to. Chris, if he comes in at 31.5, obviously that's 2.5 more than kind of what I penciled in. So you kind of have to adjust things accordingly. Um, and so we'll see where Brooke comes in. I think the big news and literally like, you know, this is all happening as we're recording. Um, the big news that we just saw was that Houston uh, is signing Fred Van Vliet to a three-year, $130 million contract, which you know is probably the best news um, that we could get short of actually hearing <laughs> that that Brooke had signed with the Bucks. Because again, I think Houston, by all indications, were the kind of prime suitor. They were reported as having a meeting set up with Brooke today to discuss options. Again, how real... Brooks' interest is in signing with the Rockets, unclear, right? On paper, it's like, why would Brook want to go there if he can get 
essentially the same deal from the Bucks. I don't know, right? I mean, yes, there's no state income tax in in Texas, but is that really swinging things for Brooke to go be a babysitter in Houston? Like I would hope not. Um, but Van Vliet taking 130 million over four years. We heard this, you know, this 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 idea of him taking a potentially, you know, two year 84 million dollar contract or something like that. This seems to be the extension of that. Um, so if he's getting, you know, 40 million, maybe low 40s as a starting salary, that wipes out, you know, the vast majority of the roughly, I think, 60 million that they've been presumed to have in cap space. Exactly what they'd have left, you know, again, like the quick math would say, like, well, they only have maybe like 18 million, 20 million, something exactly in that range that we've been talking about, Brooke left. Um, but again, I don't know the Rockets cap sheet well enough off the top of my head. I'm sure they could obviously do things to to move some salary around. Um, to open up a little more space. But again, like certainly at this point, we're not expecting to hear that the Houston Rockets are offering a $30 million like starting salary to Brooke Lopez. And that's the most important thing that they don't come out of left field with just some like, you know, 25 million, $30 million deal. So hopefully again, this may be a stale comment, you know, as soon as we post this, but um, you know, hopefully that means that Brooke inches is inching closer to officially, getting locked down with the bucks. And again, you know, I've been placeholdering three years, 60 million roughly um, on a new deal with Houston. There was, uh, I think Jake Fisher, I believe suggests that maybe Houston had started at two years, 40 million with an offer for Brooke. So obviously getting a third year would clearly be a, a big bonus and a tiebreaker. Um, but that maybe there was some Justin Houston, maybe upping that offer again, the limit They now have some limitations with that reported Van Vliet deal. Um, but Bottom line, if you put Chris and Brooke together, if they're essentially at 49 or less, if Brooke is getting, again, 17 and a half, then you could potentially bring back Jay Crowder on a $4 million deal. You could keep that taxpayer mid-level, do sign the rest of guys with minimums, and you could, you know, essentially that would be where you'd land. You'd be hard capped at the second apron, which is problematic. Um, but I think with Chris at 31 and a half, with Brooke seeming like his number may be trending a bit higher as well, um, if Jay Crowder were to come back, that would likely, I think, preclude using the taxpayer mid-level. Um, but again, it's like, you know, there's reasons to not want to use the taxpayer mid-level regardless. Um, so now I think we just sort of wait. And I would say, I mean, an interesting thing, you know, I, I'm always, I always think back to the Ursan L.A. Silva deal at, you know, 1201, whenever that was, I don't know if, I can't remember if that was before what, what, what I think that was back when it was still midnight. Um, if you're using your full mid-level, like right off the bat, we saw with Ingles last year, um, you know, Joe actually ended up playing well, but like you generally don't get like the bargain basement contracts right at the start of free agency, right? Because that means that people aren't shopping around. They're like, oh, I'll take that deal, right? Um, so to get good value on minimum contracts, to get value on those tax-free mid-level deals, a lot of time you see the better value on day two or day three after guys who thought they could get more money don't get that money and, you know, non-tax mid-levels dry up, cap space dries up, et cetera. So I, I, I'm okay with not seeing the Bucks sign another guy today. We'll see if there's any other news um, or if that kind of like trickles out and we, we have to wait a little bit. But obviously Chris and Brooke were the priorities for today. One down with Chris Middleton. That's, I'd say, good news just in general regardless. And now I think just the big question is, you know, from a bean counting perspective, what is that Chris starting salary actually at? Are there incentives in there? And then most importantly, where does Brooke end up assuming he does come back? Um, and then we can kind of, we've got to pick up the pieces because you're not, you're not using your taxpayer mid-level until you know 
that Brook is coming back and where his number is. So kind of everything has to wait until Brook Lopez and his situation is resolved. And it was a little bit interesting as the clock ticked to 6 p.m. Eastern or 6.01 Eastern, 5.01 Central Time, because uh, there wasn't the usual absolute rush of deals or tweets that came through. It took a little while. So we had to wait a little bit for Chris. And I was on a flight. I've just landed in LA. So I was on the plane, like scrolling on the on the plane Wi-Fi and, and waiting for some kind of news. But we got some other uh, big names before we actually got to the Chris one. But I would say it, it was... It was a nice number to see for sure. And then we'll wait and see the details on that deal. I think we can get to Javon Carter and Joe Ingles next because those contracts were kind of interesting as well. And then maybe at at the back end of this, Frank, we discussed some of the other names that have gone around and some of the big uh, money that's been thrown around. Bruce Brown, anyone? Someone I've spoken about the last couple of years. So uh, we'll get to Javon and Joe next and then some of the other names. And hey, yeah, maybe we'll get some Brooke Lopez news in the next 20, 25 minutes uh, while we do this show. But first, we'll talk about our friends over at Price Picks. If you're not aware how Price Picks works, you pick two to six players, and if they score more or less than the Price Picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. Price Picks offers those projections on any sport that you watch. So uh, right now, it might be baseball, it might be WNBA, any type of college sports. I don't know what's going on. Esports, NASCAR, tennis, boxing, MMA. You can find everything on price picks and entries can be made in 60 seconds or less and it is safe and fast and easy to use so download the price picks app we'll go to pricepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports first time users can receive 100 percent instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 100 bucks let's start With Javon Carter, Uh, because as some of the numbers that you've already referenced, Frank, when uh, discussing maybe a a total uh, salary for Chris and Brooke together, if they both return, then what you could do with maybe Jay Crowder, as you mentioned, or Javon Carter was one of those guys where he opted out of his deal. We asked the question, uh, is there a possibility that he would get more than the minimum? Could the Bucks uh, fit him in a salary slot there? Because I do think one of the questions we're going to have moving forward is what do the Bucks do with the backup point guard spot? Javon Carter proved pretty reliable last season. Uh, he's going down the road to Chicago. Three years, $20 million. And uh, I spoke about Javon a little bit earlier this week. And, and I thought, I don't know. I mean, I think the Bucks have to do something at the backup point guard spot. But it was a tough postseason. But we didn't see him play against Boston that much. He didn't really have a, a great successful series against Miami. I know no one did, but the three years, $20 million seems like, certainly like a very, very nice deal for a guy that has earned it and gone through the hard way to get where he is now. But I probably didn't see that he would be up around that $6, 7000000 million range per season. And now he's going to the Bulls and he's going to fight for a rotation spot in a uh, roster that's kind of weird and has lots of guards on it. Well, hopefully they bring back Pat Beverly as well. And then Pat Beverly and Javon, and Javon Carter just fight. like, will be just like fight every day in practice. Um, yeah, I mean, nice homecoming story for Javon. Mm-hmm. I think you have to be happy for him. He gets a nice payday. Obviously, he you know he hasn't had like big contracts in the NBA. So yeah. th- this really mattered. Like th- th- there was never going to be a reason for him to to take a discount, you know, to stay in Milwaukee or, you know, chase a ring or something like that for for less money. It always made sense for him to go for the max kind of dollars out there. And, uh, you know, I, 
I, I think I said it at the pod. I can't remember if I said it at the live pod or on the last podcast, but um, you know, we'll talk about Joe Ingles in a moment. I think that the hard part for me was always like, man, if I could get like Javon Carter's like dogged, you know, sort of like small guy defense um, with Joe Ingles playmaking and shooting, like, man, that would be like a $20 million player, right? That would be like a, that'd be a pretty awesome fifth starter. Um, but I think, you know, obviously with, with those guys leaving um, one, I don't think, you know, the Bucks couldn't really, I think, again, assuming that they wanted to stay around the, ta- the, the second apron and, you know, keep their options open um, and, and at least have an angle of potentially use the taxpayer mid-level, you know, they, they would never have been able to obviously match the dollars that, that those two guys got. But I, I think even so, I mean, I, I kind of always went back and forth on Javon and like, you know, what kind of option is he? Is he the kind of guy that you want as sort of the, the nominal backup point guard in Milwaukee? Because again, just the the three point shooting was awesome last year. I mean, I think he took six threes per per thirty six. He shot forty two percent. Had some really big games. Perhaps not coincidentally, had you know, I don't know if he had multiple great games against the Bulls, but he had that one phenomenal scoring night in Chicago, um, which perhaps played a role in him getting this deal. Um, so we'll see. I mean, he obviously shot way better this year than he did in previous years. We'll see if, you know, this is new normal or if this is just kind of an, out was an outlier season. Um, I certainly understand the bucks, even, even if he was available for, you know, a more manageable number, number three to 4 million, I can understand the bucks maybe looking at it and just saying like, look, Javon was really good for us last year, especially in the regular season, but is he just kind of too small and too limited in terms of ball handling? You know, I can't make any shots inside the arc except those like little weird runners, which are like, you know, kind of bad shots, but he's like good at them. But like, is being good at that actually something you want to do? You know, it's a question. Um, and, and his, you know, he just can't make plays for other guys either. Right. I mean, just, he cannot run a pick and roll and, and make a pocket pass or something like that. He just, just doesn't do it. Right. Um, so, you know, again, like he was a great signing um, when he was waived, he was a great signing after that first year, he was a really good player for the bucks last year. He is a loss, right? Joe Ingles, he is a loss, and I think the the takeaway from both of these signings is not that the Bucks should have, you know, tried to try to match necessarily or something like that, but they have to get that production from somewhere else. And obviously, with Joe Ingles, you'd say, well, you get a full year of Chris Middleton. That's your best, you know, option for replacing Joe Ingles' production. Um, with Javon, I think it's an interesting question: What are they going to do to have another small guy guard, nominal point guard, to play out there? And again, especially because Javon, I mean, he started half the half the games last year right didn't he start like 40 games i think um started at the beginning of the season obviously started you know kind of when there were injuries frequently and and the bucks were generally really really good when he started he was a really good compliment to drew informing that really strong defensive backcourt so um so yeah javon's absolutely lost you know again i think solid value three years 20 million but you know i think probably for a team like the bucks where again can you always bring it back to like you know top seven or eight playoff rotation is Javon Carter in your top seven or eight playoff rotation. He missed that pull up three in transition in game one against the heat this year. in like the third quarter when they were coming back, it seemed like he was gun shy. The rest of the series really didn't make much of an impact at all. Um, and obviously against teams like, you know, Boston where they have bigger guards, um, you know, his, his lack of size is a bit more, you know, problematic. So we'll see, you know, and, and I think this is the challenge that, you have if you're you know the general manager of of a really good team is that you're always going to be strapped for cash on the margins for signing these guys that are generally bench players 
And so it's not just that you got to find those players once and then you can just resign them forever. It's you got to resign them and know when you can't, you know, you got to sign them in the first place, discover them. Uh, hopefully they become their best ver- the best versions of themselves with the Bucks. I think we saw that certainly with Javon Carter and we saw a really good version of Joe Ingles coming off the injury last year. And so now the challenge for the Bucks is like, how do you find the next Javon Carter, you know, and how do you find the next Joe Ingles or a different type of player to take those minutes and, and be productive. So yeah, it's, it's kind of the nature of the beast. I think when you're, you know, at this level of spending and you have the type of top end talent that obviously costs a lot of money as the Bucks do. All right. I've got a question for you regarding Joe Ingles and Javon Carter. So I want to get to that uh, next because look, as you pointed to, regardless of the negatives that are for both players, the fans that we saw in the YouTube comments, and maybe there's some people that weren't that disappointed Maybe there was just surprise about the dollar figure that those two guys got. Uh, they played a lot during the regular season and certainly uh, both had their positives to them and, and to what they brought to the team, as you pointed to. So I'll ask you a question next, Frank, and then maybe some of the other players that at least caught your attention in free agency. And if something happens with Brooke over the next few days or there's any other Bucks news, uh, we'll do another podcast. We'll do something on the weekend. I'm flying back to Australia tomorrow, so I also might be in the air and I might be a little bit slow, but we'll figure it out. But... Uh, we're giving you the latest here as it is. Uh, what time is it, Frank, uh, where you are? 8 p.m.? It is. 8 o'clock Central. 8 o'clock Central. So that's just a little timestamp if you're listening to this and wondering why we might not have got to something that's dropped over the next few hours. But first, uh, let's talk about the Game Time app. And uh, look, if you're going to an event uh, or you need the last-second tickets, it shouldn't be stressful. And Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you as well with killer deals on last-minute tickets for the best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you're going to have. They have flash deals on those last-minute tickets, easy to find and buy uh, for every kind of event in your area. You can see the image of your seat view so you'll know exactly what you're walking into, and there's a lowest price guarantee, event cancellation protection, job loss protection, uh, and many more nice stuff there to make you feel pretty comfortable about your purchase. So download the Game Time app, create an account, and use the code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and the redeem code LOCKEDONNBA for 20 bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, so the question I've got for you, is out of the three years, $20 million deal for Javon Carter with the Chicago Bulls or the two years, $22 million for Joe Ingles. And I haven't seen, you might, uh, you might see that, but I assume that the back end of that, whether it's an option, there'll be something on the team option. It's a, it's a team option. Yeah. So, so essentially a potentially a one year deal, but uh, which one of those deals when you saw the tweet surprised you the most now, and the Joe Ingles going to Orlando is a, is, a, is a little bit strange. You know, he is at the point in his career where I thought he might want to play on a winner. He might want to go to a contender. He might want to play playoff basketball. So to me, I was a little more surprised when I first started to read some stuff about Joe Ingles potentially going uh, to Orlando a little bit earlier uh, in the day. But the other part that's a little bit surprising that maybe people didn't see coming for Joe was he came off the ACL. He was 34 when he was making a return. And when the Bucks signed him a year ago, it's like, okay, well, you're spending around $6 million on a guy that's only going to play half a season. So, again, you spoke about being happy for Javon Carter and the deal that he was able to sign. But it's a pretty nice stuff for Joe Ingles at 35 to get this type of money heading into a season, even if it's not on a team that we think is going to be 
contending for a title anyway. They might be pushing for the play-in mix or the postseason mix in the Eastern Conference. But which one of those two deals surprised you the most? Yeah, and I, I think, I mean, the Joe deal definitely surprised me more. I mean, I, I was like kind of thinking like maybe he's going to take a minimum deal somewhere. Um, obviously, he's he's made a decent amount of money for sure in the NBA. He hasn't, you know, had like the mega type of contracts like, you know, Chris Middleton or something like that. But um, but certainly for him, I think it makes sense, especially given he came to the league later, like he should be just taking as much money as he can. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think getting almost full non-tax mid-level dollars is is, is great for him. Right. Um, so I, I think that, um, that one definitely surprised me more. Um, you know, obviously the team option second year magic have done sort of similar type things. They last year, you guys might remember they signed Gary Harris, gave him 13 million and Mobamba like what, 10 or something like that. And yep. didn't seem like those guys would get that type of money anywhere else. And they got second year, I think it was non-guarantees and, you know, Bamba sure enough was, was waived. Um, so I think that, uh, I think that definitely surprised me more, but uh, yeah, I mean like, you know, Joe Ingles and I mean, we saw what he could do in terms of being like a stabilizing force in a ball handler, um, which was especially important when you had guys like Javon Carter, right? I mean, having a point guard, nominal point guard like Javon Carter, who's not really a, a playmaker or orchestrator, it made it all the more important that you had a guy like Joe Ingles who could do that in, um, you know, from the wing. Uh, and so, you know, we'll see, we'll see kind of what that means for Orlando, obviously they've got a ton of young mouths that, that they have to feed. So, um, so yeah, good, good for Joe. You know, I mean, I think you look at both those contracts and you say, happy to see those guys get rewarded. Um, and now the question, you know, for the bucks is like, how do you, how do you fill the gap that's created from, from their departures? And, you know, is it young guys, um, internal development? Um, again, I think we want to be very careful assuming that any of these like rookies are going to do anything what's Marjan Bochamp ready for? Um, and, uh, you know, how much is it going to be tied to just playing a bit differently maybe than they did a year ago, but certainly, you know, Brooke Lopez and Giannis, some of those sweet left-handed alley-oops and bullet passes and pick and roll. Those are, uh, no longer going to be there from Joe Ingles, which I'm sure, um, you know, they will, uh, they will miss, uh, assuming Brooke is back. Um, if Brooke leaves, Kane, we'll just have to say it was because Joe Ingles left as well and he knew that all those easy easy buckets from from jumping joe jingles were uh were were no longer going to be there but um but anyway so and i think i'm just looking at things so it looks like rockets may still have around 23 million in functional cap space so again like they still have obviously the dollars to to make brooke a, a very big offer if, if they only wanted to sign brooke lopez um but again we'll see and i, and I think the other point too is i mean to me Yes, you know, I think right now it's going to be harder for the Bucks to use the full taxpayer mid-level. I think it was always going to be challenging and put you in a tough spot to do that. Um, don't worry about having money for the taxpayer mid-level. Like job one and and two, and the only other job, the only real jobs here were bring back Chris Middleton, bring back Brooke Lopez, and you know, figure it out where you are after you you do that and secure those guys' returns. So um, again, I, I don't think we'll see, you know, much in the way of other other moves until until Brooks' situation is resolved. But um, if that means, you know, not paying, not using the taxpayer mid-level, so be it. Uh, that also means I think it's more important to bring back Jay Crowder just for a depth piece and a, and a movable salary potentially later in the season. But, uh, you know, again, job one at this point with Chris back in the fold, check the box. Great news there. Next up, got to make sure 
Brooke Lopez comes back. And um, if, uh, if he's not brought back, then certainly there's going to be a ton of questions about how the Bucks <laughs> handled the negotiations and where things went wrong. Cause certainly in theory with the Bucks ability to pay, you know, they can go, I mean, again, they can punt the, the taxpayer mid-level. They can go into this past the second apron. I mean, this year, there's not, there's not any crazy thing that happens other than you can't use the tax for mid-level. So, um, so really the, there's no financial excuse not to, not to get Brooke back in the fold. And again, now it's just a matter of how well they can negotiate and make sure that they don't piss Brooke Lopez off and make him do something dumb, like signing <laughs> with the Houston Rockets. Yeah. If this Brooke Lopez stuff doesn't work out, I mean, firstly, it's going to be devastating. But secondly, they're just going to have to find a way to get my man, Jock Landau, who the Suns, uh, I believe they pulled his qualifying yeah. offer today. But anyway, I think that'll be a, an interesting name to watch. Not not for the Bucks, but just for the for the rest of the league, what ends up happening there. And uh, I By agree the way, with you. Can I- can I can I give you some of my like sign some of the signings I liked here? You on can, day but one? I'm telling you, Frank, that I'm starving yeah. and uh, okay. I'm I, I want to eat. But so I'm just like putting that out there for the people. So but, but please do come on. Um. Well, you know, I, I always say like you don't necessarily want to be the team that that blows their you know mid level on the first day. But um, I thought there were a number of good guys that that signed for very reasonable amounts within the taxpayer mid-level range. So some of the names that, that we talked about the other day, Nikhil Alexander Walker, I believe signed for less than the taxpayer mid-level to go back to Minnesota. Josh Richardson got a, a minimum one plus one deal to return to Miami where he obviously had his best years. Shake Milton also going to Minnesota two years, five, uh, 10 million. Troy Brown also going to Minnesota. I, I want to <laughs> say it was two years, 8 million, which I, I really like that deal as well. So Minnesota, like just, you know, for his, as dumb as the Rudy Gobert trade was, uh, they've they've made a bunch of like signings that I consider like really nice value plays uh, here on day one with with Alexander Walker, Shake Milton, and Troy Brown. So um, so we'll see some of the names I think still still out there: Javante Green, Derek Jones Jr., um, Dennis Smith Jr. And then it gets kind of grim after that. Uh, Kevin Love we also talked about a little bit. He's going back to Miami as well. So um, Kevin Love is the you know hypothetical. Bobby Portis replacement. If there was a trade, um, Kevin Love also off the board. So, uh, so yeah, a number of names that that might have been interesting options already off the board here in the first couple hours of free agency. So, would have would have preferred if some of those guys were still floating around, so that the Bucks could uh, could have some more optionality once you know this Brooks Brooks situation is resolved. I think we did see, I think we did see a comment. I forget where, but someone was saying that um, the Rockets are kind of were hoping to essentially use up their tax or their uh, cap room and sort of figure out their, their plan moving forward by the end of tonight. So, so we will see something tells me, I, I, I mean, I would be surprised if the Brooks situation drags out too significantly. So um, I imagine by the time we post this cane, <laughs> there may be a resolution and I am knocking on all the wood here that, uh, that it is a favorable one for the Bucks. Well, hopefully there's at least some content on this podcast that is going to last a little bit longer than the next hour with the Middleton, the Carter, the Ingle stuff. So let us know uh, what you thought about that. But yeah, I think uh, we'll be the same as everyone else watching and listening to this podcast, uh, staring at their phones and waiting for the notification to come through uh, in the next couple of hours there. So as I said, if something big happens, uh, we'll get back on. We'll have a chat about it and we'll do another show. Uh, and hopefully it's good news if you're a Bucks fan because, geez, we'll be having some interesting conversations if Lopez doesn't uh, decide to come back to Milwaukee. But we'll leave it there for now. Uh, free agency is underway. 
Uh, Locked on Bucks is the place to get all the latest news and we will speak to you sometime in the next couple of days.